Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Productivity Mastery, actually episode 66 right now and I have a pleasure and honor to be joined today by Christian Schraft who's, uh, and I want to give the credit to a common uh, good friend who introduced us, Marian Temelko from Dynamis Group. Thank you Marian for, for the kind introduction. Uh, Christian was a guest at the leaders who care, a true leader who cares, but uh, Today we'll be speaking about uh, something else. We'll talk about productivity and namely, how do you lead with purpose, but also embed discipline in order to produce results. Uh, and before we, we get into this conversation, um, I would like to give you the word, Christian, to, to introduce yourself and uh, share more about yourself, about your background, and what do you do today? Very good, Stoyan. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Stoyan. So my name is Christian Schraft. Um, I've been running businesses uh, for many, many years. Uh, so I would think uh, of myself as a fairly experienced CEO and leader. Um, I, by training, I'm a physicist, um, but it's been a long time since I really did technical work. Um, I've worked for uh, a German lamp manufacturer, Osram, for almost 20 years, uh, as a, mostly as a business unit CEO in various locations. Uh, I've then been running another lighting business, uh, Slovenia, for a few years. And I'm now at a smaller lighting company, lamp company, uh, where our name is Light Tech in Europe, Light Sources in the US and Asia. But it's not a name many of you will be familiar with because we're a pure OEM play. In other words, we make specialty lamps for equipment makers. And typically we make them under the brand of the equipment maker. So we don't have a brand of our own. And the lamps that we make are very special in the sense that it's not visible light, what you would want in your home or your office. Uh, it's um, UV lamp, ultraviolet uh, light that we generate. And uh, that has a number of purposes. Um, the main one, the biggest market that we serve is uh, the germicidal market. Uh, these are so-called UVC sources, uh, lamps, and um, this UVC radiation uh, inactivates viruses, bacteria, germs, and so forth. Um, so we're we're kind of at the forefront of fighting against uh, uh, coronaviruses because these these uh, sources of radiation will inactivate them. Uh, so I'm 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 in the fortunate position that uh, the demand is. Uh, strong beyond belief, and uh, uh, it's actually a fight to um, to well, often to uh, to not be able to serve the demand uh, just because of capacity limitations. Um, in a sense, we benefit from the COVID nineteen situation, uh, um, but even before that, uh, you would have our products have gone into markets like water treatment, wastewater treatment, drinking water treatment, air purification, surface purification, and these kind of applications. So it's um, speaking about purpose. Um, it's uh, it's it's not too difficult because we do something that is uh, very obviously uh, good for 
for for for the world, and uh, that makes a discussion about purpose a little easier. Um, but it's um, it's possible everywhere. So that's me in a nutshell. Maybe maybe um, uh, I also could mention that I've, I've had a very international career. I've uh, studied, worked in I think five different countries, speak four languages. Uh, and um, I've traveled a lot in my life, and also family background is fairly international. So I've always been, I've always enjoyed being working in an international context with different cultures, different people, and um, so I've, I've always tried to understand what drives people, how I can motivate different types of characters and personalities, and um, that's probably something that has helped me in my career. Um, as I mentioned, I've been in leadership positions for many, many years, and I think what has been driving me is very much working with different kinds of people. So it's not necessarily the product, the PL, it's really about making a difference by, by working with different kinds of people. Thank you, Christian, for this introduction and for actually leading a company that's making a difference and, and leading with purpose and talking about purpose uh, for many of the leaders who are listening to this podcast uh, maybe if you can give some overview and and some points here on why should we be clear as an organization what is the purpose and why this this whole idea of understanding what's the why and having the whole team to buy into it why is that important I think there are two reasons for that. One is quite simple. The purpose defines the objectives and uh, therefore people know what we're trying to do, where we're trying to go. Um, and that's important, of course. So everybody is going the right direction, the same direction. Um, the other thing is, I think it's a human need and desire to do something that we can be proud of. Think about the private situation, Saturday evening, you go to some event or something, you meet people, and it just feels better if you have a story to tell about why what you do makes a difference. Now, the good thing is it can be very, very different for, um, for different people. So um, I will never forget um, my, my, my first job interview with a lamp company, and um, I, I had done lighting stuff at university and research so i i was kind of like i liked this thing and i was well prepared for the interview with the ceo of the company and uh, so i explained to him why i thought lamps were great they don't kill anybody they everybody needs them they are everywhere and it's just so useful and 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 i was i was kind of passionate about this and i again it was an interview i wasn't even there and then this guy looks at me and uh says well, yes, somehow you're right. He wasn't quite as convinced as I was. I learned later that he, at the time, he was actually interviewing with an automotive car, car, car manufacturer. So he probably thought a big brand in, in, in cars was sexier than incandescent light bulbs. Um, but no, so it's different. And you, for everybody, it's something else. So it's not, it's not that, you know, there's one purpose that's good and others are bad. Everybody has to find out for himself or herself uh, what makes sense as, as a purpose in life. And, um, but it's important you, you ask yourself that question. And it's also important that you, and that's where I get passionate, as you can say, once you've found that, um, then it's very important that you also 
tell people about it, motivate people with it, show people that you believe in what you're doing. Um, there is a there's a quote from the um, ancient philosopher Augustinus: uh, "You can only you can only ignite uh, a fire if you're burning yourself." So you cannot really take people somewhere if you're not burning yourself, if you're not passionate about what you're doing. Uh, so that's why purpose is important, because it gives you direction, but it also gives you passion and something to be proud of. I really love this topic and the fact that when we were discussing what should be the topic of the episode, we we ended up with purpose and and, and discipline. And uh, we recently published uh, our first book with Mike Holter, which is called Perform the huh? Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. And, and actually, PERFORM is an acronym um, with the different areas. And the first P stands for purpose and values. And, and how many workshops and, and, and trainings we've done, uh, we always so excited to see how, how this fire lights when, when actually founders or, or big organizations connect to this purpose, figure out what this purpose is. And I just want to give an example that uh, is from my personal experience. Uh, this is uh, my accountant. I was looking for an accountant a few years ago and somebody said, you got to talk to this guy. I'm like, okay. He looked legit, he has recommendation. I go to his webpage and the first thing it says there is, I help small business owners to sleep better at night. Uh -huh. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'm a small business owner, you know, uh, meet the guy. He's fully driven. He's not an accountant. He's, he's using accounting as a vehicle because he himself was a small, small business owner. And he wants mm -hmm. to support these people. And, and there were situations that this guy will show up, uh, you know, like do things that are out of his job position because he wants to help me as a founder, mm -hmm. as a client, to sleep better at night. Mm -hmm. He's fully aligned, aligned with the wine and he's in the book. We're talking about it. It's exciting. It's inspiring when, when you know what's the why behind. So uh, I think it's, uh, I'm really, really happy we're diving into this kind of topic. And purpose is one, right? Figuring out what's the why, but the second part of the question is how, how do we get people to buy into this purpose? Which is um, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important that you, you burn yourself, as we said, so that's very important. Uh, obviously, you have to be a good communicator and um, uh, you have to have to have to have the ability, whatever the purpose, to to bring across why it makes sense. And again, it could be very different things. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's it's. It's important. It's a necessary condition to lead a business, uh, but it's not necessarily uh, sufficient to just have the purpose. That's why we have this other topic of discipline. And um, this is where different characters come in. And this is where you need to understand the kind of people that you have. So I, I met one or two people, maybe three people in my life who were self-starters in the true sense of the word. Um, and very driven, and they would get on a task, get on a job, and uh, they would just not stop short of completing the task. I have one person whom I've met um, a few times, and uh, she is when she is in working mode, she gets so deeply involved that she every 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 day, I'm being told, she sets the alarm clock at 11 p.m. in order not to forget to go to bed. So when you recruit people and you get can get this character, this type of personality, and you can afford it, then that's a good idea. 
because um, that will that will solve a lot of problems. Now, the reality, unfortunately, uh, the, the reality is that most of us are not that kind. Um, in other words, it's um, it needs some structure or some discipline uh, in order for normal human beings to get a task accomplished. And I, I, I thought this was very, very visible during the lockdown. Um, so I was in a situation where I had to work from home for maybe six weeks last year. And uh, I would say, um, I, I'm, I personally don't like home office, but that's a personal preference. Um, but I'm, I feel I, I need to work in a different way when I'm at home. So when I'm, when I'm at the facility, when I'm with the team here, a, a lot of things are going on. You, you, you go around, you talk to people, you, you get ideas, you see things and everything. When you're at home, all this doesn't happen. So what I need to do is actually I plan my day uh, in pretty much detail. So I'll set an hour apart for a certain task. Not more, because I want to be finished at the end. It depends on the task, of course. But so I need I need a structure, and I need a lot of. I set up meetings with people that also gives me structure. So I know, okay, ten o'clock, I'll speak to this guy. I actually need to prepare this conversation, so I need to do this and that, and then it works. Then it works. But an unstructured day, I tend to waste time. So I need to, when at home, and I get, again, in, at, at a facility, at a factory, in an office, it's less the case. It's also helpful to structure your day, but because automatically you, you have context, it makes it easier to, um, to get things done. At home, I need that structure, very rigid, and, uh, and that's discipline. So even with a purpose, uh, under certain circumstances, that is not enough, and you need, you need to give yourself structure. I couldn't agree anymore that... Uh... Discipline is so important for creativity to blossom and for productivity to happen. And since we started uh, talking about your self-management, your time management uh, as, a, as an executive, but also in your personal life, I just want to stay there for a second. Do you have any, any specific um, principles? For example, do you schedule in the morning the most important thing and you kind of make it a do not disturb time? Like, how do you make sure that you actually focus on the most important things for you as a leader before all the distractions are taking place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I probably do something that many people do. Um, I have like my task lists somewhere on my on my laptop and my in, in Outlook and things like that. But in the morning, I will look around, look at what's 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 in my task list. And then on a sheet of paper, I will write down what I want to do today and what I want to achieve. It's always handwritten on one sheet of paper. And it's important that at the end of the day, everything on that sheet of paper is crossed out. It's I literally do it like that. So I have these, these things here. And um, so I cross things out and I, I will typically also have a little schedule on that sheet of paper, like what comes first, what comes second. But it's a very important exercise for me to take a pen and put it on a sheet of paper. And, and then and I do that for the business side, for professional, but I also do it for, uh, for private tasks uh, that I may have on that day. So it all goes on one it's an A5 format, one sheet of paper, and, and then it's important I get it all crossed out across the day. 
Uh, and then I, and I, once it's on paper, it's, it gives me kind of peace of mind. I won't forget it. I, I, even if it's an uncomfortable task, because it's on a sheet of paper, I know I'll, I'll, I'll get behind it. I'll get it done. Even if it's something I don't like to do, uh, that helps me with the discipline. I thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, often we get this question, um, Toya, what is the best tool? What's the best app and software to, to manage my time? <laughs> and and I, I had recently uh, Jay Papasan, who's the author of The One Thing, uh, an exceptional business executive and an author. Uh, we, we hosted David Allen on The Leaders Who Care, who's another exceptional guy in productivity. And these guys are also planning on paper. And they have this one piece of paper. And, and I, I see this tendency in some of the most exceptional and some of the most productive people in the world to, to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be on paper. Some people love digital. And, and But what is something that's simple for you? It's in front of you. It will help you to stay focused on these few things that matter most. Mm -hmm. But before, before figuring out these few things, you need to put them down on paper and need to do some analysis and say, which of those things, uh, what is the one thing? What is the second thing? What is the third thing? How do I make sure that I get them done despite all the distractions that are coming during the day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because um, some people have these little notebooks where they make their notes and everything. Of course, I take notes as well in a conversation and I keep them somewhere. But this little sheet I do every morning never survives the day. I, I don't know why, but it would always, so I, I could have a, a stack of them and you know know what i did five years ago or something um and i don't do that i just don't keep them it's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a way of 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 kind of it probably gives me that feeling that i'll have to do it today and then the task has to be accomplished and then it's over and i don't need that little sheet anymore so i don't know how much psychology there is or maybe it's just uh just a um a habit i guess and uh but yeah that's that's the way how i do that and sometimes, of course, I don't always achieve everything in a day. And then if there's still something left on that sheet, that goes then back into my Outlook system as a, as a task with a date. And, and that, that's electronically it's safe and doesn't go away. So there is a way of, you know, of, 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 of bringing it back into the electronic system. But that sheet of paper is, is always there. And I know there, there are people who are, who are making jokes about my, my little sheets. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, you mentioned this one-hour blocks. Like uh, you, you schedule an hour to 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 get something done specifically. Maybe we can dig into the other topic uh, as well uh, about effectiveness and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So I wonder when you set uh, these tasks, um, is that like a do not disturb time? Like this hour, you know, your team cannot reach you. This is very important and you need to be fully focused or you're more kind of open for whatever happens. Yeah, I, I there, there are tasks for which I do close the door and it's, uh, do not disturb. Uh, it's, it's a minor portion of my work. Um, and that's obviously related to the CEO role. So I'm not the uh, I'm not the thinker or not the the, the, the accountant uh, working on, on on some some numbers. But I I need to work with people and uh, get ideas from people, give instructions to people, and all these things. So I would say that probably seventy or eighty percent of my day is working with people. 
I like to schedule that in general. So people will typically have a meeting in the diary when I when I want to sit with them. So both or everybody can get prepared. I, I avoid big meetings with five or 10 people. Um, so good meetings for me are like three people, four people, maybe five people um, who are relevant for the topic and who have to, something to contribute and not having a dozen people in a room and uh, the majority of them have not much to say or are not really are not really important for that purpose. So big corporate style meetings is is something that that I don't buy. I don't think that's that's the right way. So it's more like smaller meetings with people who who have something to say. Um, so, uh, but so that's one piece, and that's scheduled, and that has a structure because that helps everybody be prepared, including myself. But then there's the unstructured piece, which is powerful as well because it gives you ideas or insights that you weren't expecting. So just walking around the shop floor um, is sometimes just interesting and, and, and important, not only to be seen, but also to see and to maybe have an idea, we could do this entirely differently. And um, and that, that's not schedule. That is, that, that's the spark. That's the inspiration that, that has to come. Um, so that's, that's, that's an element. So I would say in my day, it's probably maybe 20% really working on a task, door closed, do not disturb. Um, and then 20% is unstructured, talking to people, walking around, and the remainder are typically meetings or scheduled phone calls, video conferences, and so forth. Not much travel right now for obvious reasons. Um, uh, but even then, um, and I think that's very interesting with COVID-19, of course, um, that our travel habits will definitely change. And when I think of the old days, how much time we spent flying somewhere, being somewhere, uh, jet lagged and everything. And uh, you realize, yes, sometimes you have to meet people in person, but for many tasks to be accomplished, uh, you can do that remotely. Um, so I have two main locations, one in the US and one in uh, Hungary. And um, yes, it, I, I think it would be helpful to be in the US a bit more often. I haven't been there for a while because it's not possible. Um, uh, but a lot of things like daily work can actually be done remotely if you have the right structure. Yeah, I can totally relate. Yeah. I, I definitely miss travel a lot, um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but I can also see there's many things that we can do without having to to meet and to to travel. So that's uh, uh, that's something we need to reflect on and see how can we how can we navigate the future when when hopefully everything goes back to previous uh, levels in terms of you know this pandemic is over and and how do we actually start uh, start working in the most effective uh, way and talk about effectiveness i actually i love the piece about uh, having this spontaneous time like you can't plan everything like if you over plan yeah. then you become too rigid so so maybe if you can share a little bit about that because i as you said, you, you have clear objectives. And when you set clear objectives, somehow it comes naturally also to leave some space uh, for spontaneity for you, uh, sounds like. So could you maybe talk about the effectiveness and efficiency and uh, yeah. Yeah. what's the yeah. difference between those two? Right. So for me, efficiency is about um, achieving a certain objective with a minimum of resources, time, money, and so forth. I think that's the traditional definition, by the way. Um, so I think that's that's the, the 
the normal way of running a business. Um, purpose, strategy, objectives, and I have these objectives. I want to make 100 products of whatever type, and then I try to do that with minimum of material, minimum of, of labor, and uh, just being efficient in how I make these products. Uh, same for management tasks, achieve certain goals with a minimum of, of time uh, invested and, and get the objective. Effectiveness is different in that here it's all about getting a certain result done, uh, no matter what I have to invest or what I have to input. So there may be just objectives in my business or my private life that I want to achieve at any cost. So efficiency now isn't relevant anymore. It's really about getting this done. Um, and um, this might be, I mean, it's, it's almost, of course, you always have to ask the question, is reaching this objective really worth investing anything, um, any amount of time and money? That's probably never the case. But there are just things that are so important um, that you, you will not necessarily look at the effective uh, the efficiency in that but you want to achieve that if i wanted say um uh, if i wanted certain well get, get getting into a certain customer uh big customer big potential and um then right getting the foot into the door uh and and starting business with that customer might be something that i'm i, I just want to achieve of course, I need to make sure the business will be profitable and, and all that. So, but then um, this may require a significant investment just to to conquer that that customer, and that, that's that's what I would refer to as effectiveness. Um, then there's another point that that I've come across a few times in my life, and that's when you and that holds both for effectiveness and efficiency about yourself as a leader. And as a person, and with your own personal strengths and weaknesses, um, I've I've been working with a great entrepreneur who um, who said the following: Whenever I have a an important task that I want to achieve, um, I ask myself, "Am I the best person to accomplish the task? This task, or is somebody else maybe better?" In general, I realize. I'm actually not the best person to realize that, to achieve that objective. And then there is this person, this person, this person who might be actually better. And then I get help. Then I get help from that person um, from in whatever way, form, format. Um, so ask for help, get support. That will make you more effective in achieving goals because you're probably not the best at everything. Um, and therefore, ask yourself who is the best at a certain task, and then get help. And don't be don't be ashamed of it. It's not it's 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 a strength, another weakness to to understand where you have weaknesses, and then get get help. I love it. Starting with self awareness about your strengths, and and really taking time to to get your know get to know yourself, not just what you're good at, but actually what you love to do. And be able to surround yourself with people that you can delegate all the rest. And, and, and that's what creates a, a good team. Yeah, that is very important. And that's, that's again about understanding people, understanding the needs of people, um, which is important for building a good team, but which is also very important um, to manage the team properly 
uh, in order to gain maximum efficiencies. So as, as I mentioned, there's different types. There are the self-starters, that uh, people who, who basically need objectives, but they don't need very tight management or discipline because um, it's interesting. These people are often um, are often uh, very much or they've, they've learned in their lives um, that they need to solve problems themselves. And that can involve getting help from others, but um, organizing things in a way that the task can be accomplished, they, they, they have learned that it's best if they do it themselves. And uh, that's fine. It's fine to get help, but organizing the whole thing, they do it by themselves. And um, so these people, they need space. They need, don't need tight management. They need space. Maybe they need resources uh, in order to get there, be it money or support or whatever, but let them organize things themselves. And then obviously there are other people who need a lot more monitoring, a lot more, you know, has this been done? Has that been done? Um, so there again, and that's how we started, uh, just purpose and objectives doesn't mean something gets done with a certain category of people. So these people need structure. And um, then I'm also a big friend of numbers and monitoring things. Um, there is a saying that I once heard that I like a lot, um, only what gets measured gets done. It's I mean, yeah, it's it's logical. It's it's logical. But yes, if you if you if uh, look at the financials, yes, you you need objectives uh, in terms of revenue, uh, in terms of uh, uh, bottom line, and so forth. If you run a facility, a factory, uh, uh, shrinkage, or scrap is very important, so you don't throw away something that could have been of value. And um, these are all things that you can measure on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, whatever. Um, you. It, 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 you shouldn't overdo it. I, I, I used to work for a company. They had about 100 daily reports. Um, and, um, and we were asking, do we need them all? And actually, there was a person for every report that was saying, yes, I need this one. I work with it. And it was a big organization. So, yeah, but you shouldn't overdo it. But very clearly, um, if you don't measure things, um, then things don't get done. And it's it's human. It's, it's it's not a criticism. It's just a fact. So you need to have ways of measuring performance and progress in your organization. That's part of disciplining it. You're just reading my thoughts, Christian, because I wanted to go into this the topic of measuring, but uh, you are ahead of me. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I wanted what I wanted to also uh, kind of explore with you is. Um, like your personal, personally, you in, in your line of business, how do you, like, how often do you plan and set the goals? Like if, if you can give us maybe some more like nitty gritty advice from, um, from your personal experience, like do you have any specific system or methodology that you'd recommend in terms of setting goals? How many goals, like how often do we check them just for the audience uh, to maybe get inspiration? Uh, on a very operational kind of level. Yeah, uh, it's it's probably a pretty boring or pretty common way of doing this. So there's nothing nothing special. Um, with my key people, I get together um, basically at the beginning of a calendar year, January, which is also the financial year for us, uh, and um, we and I have my own high level objectives for the company, and then I'll break them down uh, for the individual. Uh, uh, managers, line managers, um, and that could be anything from um, like salespeople will have a will have a sales target, they will have a margin target or a 
price target uh, and then some special objectives. Uh, production leaders will have output targets, uh, scrap targets. Um, and so uh, that's, that's being done in January. There is a little bit of money attached to that. Um, uh, so performance is being, being rewarded with a bonus. Again, something pretty common. And um, then we review this on a quarterly basis. So uh, we've just done Q1. And uh, so looking at, at performance here and, uh, and I think what's important that that's measuring, but also what's important that I use these um, appraisals or reviews in order to understand what's missing in the business. So I, I'm expecting not just myself telling them, oh, this went well, this maybe could be improved. Um, I'm also asking very actively, what are your ideas to improve the situation? What can we do better? What do we need to change? So this becomes more of a, a almost informal discussion. And I, I don't want to be too formal with the objectives. It's more brainstorming is, is maybe too far on the other side, but it's it's really a, a, a format where I, I want to understand what I can do to help this per person perform better. So does he need more resources? Does he need um, a better understanding of the objectives? Does he need whatever, a new software, whatever? So, you know, hearing from people, um, how we can close any gap that may be there there in terms of performance uh and and that's so that's a format that that i like so it goes a bit beyond the normal kind of appraisal or review which i, I think is i'm using it but it's a very conservative format i know there are people who talk about apps and daily feedback and and to manage performance that's not something i do so it's still a bit of a formal review but it then as we're in it it's 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 quite quite informal and it's it ah, it's both ways i think that's that's the key point it's not just me judging and and giving giving uh, feedback but it's really both ways that we we i try to make it uh, in a way that that I'm with that person um, thinking about what can we do to improve the business and to perform better overall. So it doesn't become just a one-way appraisal. Thank you for bringing this up because uh, I don't want people to, to live with the impression that, you know, it's all about measuring and managing and pushing people to achieve deadlines. It's, uh, it's a combination. It's a balance um, of being the leader being open for feedback, understanding what people need in order to perform. At the same time, having clear objectives, clear results that you're after and uh, and not creating a too soft of a culture, right? Which yeah. is the, the, the... It's, yeah, uh, it's, and it's a very, very good point. And uh, as part, uh, as you form and create a management team, there again, you need to, you need to understand what type of characters will complement yourself. Um, so if you are more the, let me say, what we had, that the purpose person, the, uh, the visionary person, the, the communication person, um, and you have factories to run, then potentially it's a good idea to have a plant manager who is good at kicking asses, um, who um, I had a very good one. And he, in his younger days, he was very active as in contact sports. This guy loves contact sports. And so when he goes into on the, down to the shop floor, um, this person is not afraid of anything. And uh, he is, um, he's, he's, I, I know these guys hate me, but that's fine. Um, they, as long as they respect me, they don't need to love me. 
Um, and that's, um, let me say, that's a, that's a factory environment where people, to put it mildly, need some guidance uh, or need some pressure to get to, 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 to get to work. So you need to balance that. And it's actually quite interesting, takes us a little bit elsewhere, is again, knowing about how people, how people work as, 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 a, as, a, as a personality. Um, there are people who just need pressure. Um, in order to get, they, they don't come to work because they love it. They come to work because they need the money. And if you don't watch them, they will probably just do nothing. And therefore you need that tight structure, tightly knit structure. And obviously factory is uh, typically a little bit like that. Um, and, and then things go well. Um, and then other people, they can, they have difficulties handling pressure. They operate a lot better if they feel safe and secure in the environment and under pressure, they get paralyzed. I sometimes compare that to a situation I, and that's many years ago when I was a student, there was an, an incident where an old lady fell down the staircase at the train station and um, it nothing dramatic, um, but I could then observe people reacting very differently. There were people who were immediately ju jumping there to help and were, were very, very, um, quick and very dynamic and trying to, to help and do something. And then others were just standing paralyzed. And uh, that's, and I can see that even at some stage, uh, we had an incident in, in one of the facilities I was in charge of. And there, you see the same behavior. There are crisis managers who are very, very good at under these crisis situations to act. And then you get others who are, who get paralyzed. So you need to understand what kind of people you're working with and need, obviously, to put the right people into, uh, in, into the right job. So probably for a factory, for a plant manager, you need somebody who can act under pressure or, and who can, who can react if something happens and can be organized even under, uh, in a crisis. And I guess military is the same thing. Um, you need people who can uh, act and react under pressure, under and difficult situations. And that's kind of how you have to select leaders. Um, maybe for a salesperson, uh, you don't need that kind of, maybe this is something else that you then need. So understanding characters and what, um, what, uh, how they would react under certain situations is an important thing for, uh, to run, to run any kind of business. It is such an important point that, uh, putting the right people in the right positions. And I remember, recently listened to a podcast with uh, John Maxwell, the, the leadership guy, and he yeah. shared a story from his um, young years when he was a, part, a player in a basketball team. And he said every, every year at the beginning of the season, our coach will play the first team against the second team. Only the first team, he will mix up the positions of the players. <laughs> and cool. the second team the second team will always be the first team it's fantastic isn't it uh, that's very insightful very very interesting yeah 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 that's, and, and it's, it's, really, it's a good example yeah it really makes you think right it really makes yeah. you think am i putting sally at the right row she's maybe an exceptional performer but it's my ownership as a leader to to find the position that she will perform at her best yeah and I mean, this is really one of the core elements of, of leadership in, in, in any situation. Uh, a leader can only be successful with, through the people that he leads. And, uh, and he can only be successful if he knows where, where to put whom. 
so yeah, that's that's I, I like I like this this example. It's it's really good, really good because it's really easy to understand and just how important it is to to have everybody perform. So job rotation is important, but it has also its limitations. <laughs> sure, for sure. And you mentioned uh, you know pressure, and and actually I'm gonna quote you if if I may. You said sometimes pressure is a very good tool. And uh, if I can kind of ask you personally, how how do you navigate the you know stress and like you look like a very calm guy and like uh, everything is in place and <laughs> you're under control but like what do you do when when things are really stressful you may be overwhelmed some things happen that <laughs> you didn't expect and how do you get yourself into this productive place interesting question yes um As one thing, so it depends depends on the on obviously on the situation or uh, an incident or whatever happens. But there is several things that I that I apply, and they're all related in the sense that it's all about taking a step back and trying to understand what's happening. Um, so just actually, just when something happens, and it's uh, it's it's a little bit like my, my 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 little paper in the morning, just sit back and think what 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 is actually happening. Yeah, even making notes can be very helpful in that situation. So just and it could be seconds, it could be minutes, depending on the situation. But don't react immediately, but think, and maybe write it down. Then if I have, and uh, I, I do this quite often. Um, when I need some insights or some new ideas or also um, get some relief because there's a lot of pressure, I walk. I just walk. And this could be 10 minutes. This could be two hours. I've done this. I was that's 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. But I remember that I had a bit of a crisis and a lot of pressure. I was based in Hong Kong at the time and uh, I didn't know what to do. And I then took uh, like three hour walk up to the peak. I was all wet with sweat at, at the end. And then I had, I had a brilliant idea. I had a brilliant idea and I had a solution. It just came and when I walk and when there's some, something keeping me busy up there, um, then I, I walk and I speak with myself. It's, it's actually almost like speaking or I imagine I speak to someone else and just by having this imaginary conversation with either myself or somebody else, that it, that is enough for me to to generate ideas or to see things from a different perspective. So that is that is a very very good very good tool for me. Now there's one other tool, different but again related. I do meditation, um, not every day, but um, several times per week, which helps me to just. You know, stay calm, keep things at a distance, and um, so there's also an element of hypnosis that I, that I'm doing. It works for me. I know it doesn't work for everyone, but um, it's something where you just get into a very quiet, very calm down um, inner state, almost like floating, and um, that gives me confidence. That gives me um, that maybe that calmness. I don't. I, I was a bit surprised when you said. I come across very calm, calm because sometimes people say, uh, you know, I'm actually quite passionate and, you know, I, I use my hands when I speak. And uh, so I can be quite expressive when I do that. Um, but I, I think I, I know what you mean. So, yes, there is there's a way for me 
and uh, despite all the daily fights, all the pressure and everything, to take that step back and um, to take that step back and look at the situation a little bit from outside. Um, I might be the center of, of all of it, but I have the ability to take a step back and look at it if I was an outside person. Yeah, and when, when I mean calm, I actually probably mean present. And I, and I do think you can be calm and passionate at the same time when you have this kind of a sense of presence. And, and for those of you listening, I think this is such an important point that uh, Christian made. It's about creating this space between you and the situation. So you can see it and observe it and actually be more objective about whatever situation it is. And I love the fact that uh, the tools that you shared uh, reminds me about the book of Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. I think some sometime by the end of the book, he talks about uh, how at some point, he every evening he'll have uh, meetings with his favorite leaders and role models only there was never a meeting. It was in his head. He would close his eyes and, and just imagine, you know, Benjamin Franklin and like all the leaders and he would have meetings and, and just whatever worries and concerns he had, he would say, Benjamin, what would you do <laughs> on my situation? It's and, brilliant. And, uh, I haven't heard about this. I'll, I'll, I'll have to find out more because I think that's pretty brilliant. Get yourself into a conversation uh, with somebody else who might have an idea and automatically that will spark ideas with yourself. So that's 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 very interesting. I like that. I like that. I, I could I, I'll use that when I when I speak to, to someone, I'll actually have somebody like that, you know, somebody who, who may have had similar situations. And um, that's brilliant. That's yeah. really cool. Like you make your own advisory board. Yeah. I can get anybody on board. to be there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. I love it. Uh, Christian, yeah. uh, uh, we have a question coming from LinkedIn. And yeah. I would like to, to ask this question to you. So the question is, what are the identifiers making each employee potentially a leader? Uh, what are the barriers to figure out his or her certain leadership field how would yeah. you support the people to formulate their voice on that yeah yeah um so that's a very good question i had a long conversation a few months back with uh, a young person in the business who was trying to figure out himself for himself whether he wanted to be a leader or rather an individual contributor um and um so i was thinking about yeah how can you how can you know uh, if either yourself or about somebody else, are you are you are you made for? Are you CEO material? Um, I realized there is two very very two or three. Let's 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 develop this. Um, number one, you have to have a vision of not the world, but the vision of the uh, where you want to take a business. So if you have no idea where you want to go, and that's basically purpose, uh, mission, whatever name you want to use or word you want to use, you have to have the power to imagine a, a different future than what it is today. So where do you want to go? How do, do you want to shape your market or your business or your life and other circumstances? So you have to have that imagination of where you want to go. If you don't have that, difficult. And then the second one is willpower, sheer willpower. 
if you have a vision, but you have you don't have the determination to go there to fight for it, um, then your vision is not worth anything. So willpower, sheer willpower, and it could be perceived as negative in some instances. Um, you have to have the ability, and that goes with willpower, to bite. You know, when you get into when you want to be the CEO, maybe there's another guy who wants to be the CEO another girl or whatever um you have then to have the willpower but i want to get there i want this so it's about imagining a, a, a new future but then also to have the ability um to to get there by sheer willpower um in an ideal world that would be something positive by you know having the strength to make something happen against against resistance against the odds um on a personal note, it's I think I'm I'm okay there, but it's not my biggest strength to have this willpower. And uh, I had two um, leaders in my in my career who and they were both from from different countries outside of my home country, but they used the same English word to tell me what's missing. And they said, Christian, you're not ruthless enough. Now I'm not saying, and I, I'm. I've had a career, and uh, although these guys were telling me I'm not ruthless enough, but yes, um, it's at least a question to discuss how ruthless do you need to be or do you want to be in order to be a, a leader. So it's a mix between something very positive, like speaking about a vision, about how to make the world a better place. And then when it comes to implementation, you have to have willpower and depending on the situation, maybe ruthlessness as well. So, you could. I find it very interesting to see how in this pandemic times, different um, governments act differently. And you could very much link ruthlessness and, um, and vaccination rates. <laughs> so look at the UK, look at uh, the US, look at Hungary. Um, people had their shots, they had their jabs. Look at other European countries. Most of them actually, it's a lot slower. Um, and I would say you could find many elements of ruthlessness and how these countries got where they are. And you could say it was actually good for the countries um, and uh, they can open up a lot faster and everything. Um, but they were thinking more of themselves than of others. So it's, 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 it's a mix here. So, and I mean, we, and I have quoted this before, ruthlessness comes in in difficult crisis situations like a pandemic or like a war. So in a war, you need to apply different leadership uh, principles than in, let me say, a, a software company or whatever, um, or hospitality and so forth. So um, then in, in a war, purpose might just not be enough because most people would think the purpose is to get out of this alive and, uh, and not necessarily conquering that next hill. So that's where discipline comes in again in a very different way. So um, that's where leadership is, and let's let's be non-judgmental. Um, but sometimes applying discipline in a ruthless way is just needed to get to certain results, and um, that is also something that uh, you need to see in a future leader or in yourself if that's what you want to go for. Uh, do you have enough of that? Um, well, ability to get things done, willpower, and depending on the job, a certain amount of ruthlessness. I love it, and I I couldn't agree anymore. It's, uh, you know, you need to have this also 
trait of character, which is like when, you know, for the lack of a better word, shit hits the fan, <laughs> the leader needs to, to, to take the tough decisions. I, I, I watched this movie recently. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but it's even not in the movie. It's, it's a story where uh, it's about Winston Churchill. And um, it was this, uh, this exact uh, part from the Second World War where he's sacrificing, I think, three or 4,000 people. Like having these three, 4,000 people at a 100% debt. They're not sending them any savings, anything, in order to have a chance to save these, I think, 300,000 soldiers. Um, yeah. But, but he needs to take the tough decision. And, you know, he had a lot of... Uh, People from the government saying, "Oh my God, how could you leave people to, you know, to die?" And, yeah. and but he's ruthless. He's like, "Look, I would rather save three hundred thousand people, or at least have a chance." Uh, and it's it's really tough. It's really tough. You know, how do you take such a decision, right? It brings me. It's a very good comment, and it brings me to another important skill or or element of a, of a personality that you need to have as a leader, the ability to decide or to take a decision when not, when there's a lot of uncertainty, a lack of clarity. Taking a decision when you know everything is easy. Everybody can do it. And it's not, I would say it's not even a decision then. It's just you do the obvious. Um, however, and, and probably Churchill in that example, he actually didn't know whether it would work. Uh, so he just had he had to take a bet uh, he and, and and you know do something so at, if you are uncomfortable taking decisions when you don't really know what the right thing is um then then it's then it's very difficult and you'll be permanently stressed because you feel you need to decide something but you don't have enough information um to, uh, to know which is the right decision if that stresses you you, you, you will always be stressed as a leader because you constantly have to take decisions where you don't have all the elements available to, to you. That is another super relevant point. Uh, feeling, feeling comfortable in uncertainty and, yeah. and actually being the driving force, navigating uncertainty and, and showing people that you're leading this vision, this, this place where we're going to, even though sometimes it's just pure hope. Yeah. We're going to get there, but painting this picture and, and this vision and, and driving everybody on the boat to, to yeah. buy into this vision is, is such, a, such a great quality for a leader. And talking about, again, leadership, I want to bring you into, um, we have a lot of listeners who are in, the, in their 20s as well. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this kind of tendency and trend, but I, I can see many young people being uh, lost uh, in some way. Uh, specifically about what's my purpose? What should mm -hmm. I do? Uh, how do I find my dream job? Like, what what is the this big why I should uh, you know contribute to the world with? And uh, if I can bring you back and like with this knowledge and maturity you have right now, if you're right now at your twenties and trying to figure out uh, you know how to find your purpose, like what would be your advice to to young leaders, ambitious leaders who how to find their purpose or or how to uh, what should be the next step for them i think it's a it's it's a challenge definitely um i mean you probably know uh, what you're good at what you like doing uh but at the end to really understand what suits you you have to try things out 
I'll give you a very um, personal example here. When I was a student and even in my high school years, I had kind of that, I wanted to be a professor at university. That had a very positive image for me. And uh, I thought, yeah, university is a great thing and all that. And then when I took towards the end of my degree studies, uh, my master's science in physics, I worked in the lab for a year. And I realized I'm not made for research. I found it terribly boring. I don't think I was good at it. I realized I'm not necessarily a person who wants to go very, very deep in one subject matter, rather someone who wants to be broad, know many things and very curious, but I don't necessarily go very deep, I go broad. So professor is just about the opposite of that. <laughs> so that wouldn't have been a good career path for me. And I only found that out by doing that, by doing kind of the, the typical work that professor would have to do and uh, I would have had to do research in a lab for many years to even to even get to that level and I decided or found out that's that's not that's not me that's not not good for me so that's a personal example and there's probably a hundred others and uh, and so sometimes it's just about doing away with with things that you think are cool by trying them out <laughs> <laughs> and by and, and 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 if it works great then you found something but if it doesn't work then you know okay that's that's a dream but it's not going to be reality because it's not for me i still have a lot of respect for professors and i it's a, but it's a, i'm not going to be one so um yeah so try things out don't um that's probably the one thing i would say uh about myself i should probably have tried out even more things both professionally and privately um, to get more insights about myself. So I think um, hanging around um, on, on, on the couch at, ho at home, not doing anything versus you know, trying things out, the latter is always the better. It's, uh, it's still, you have a lot of years ahead to, to try things out, Christian. So <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you, you'll get into uh, even better. But I think it's such a great point. And it reminds me, there was a book, I think, by Barbara Moore, if I'm not uh, confused about the author name, uh, where she talks about divers and scanners you know divers are the people that you described that just love to go deep in one specific thing and and scanners just like you described yourself and myself we we like to be more of a like involved in many different things yeah and uh, but you wouldn't know if you don't try out things and i think if i can go back to my to my you know like early 20s uh, i think i was overthinking things so much like people like young people they try to find the what is the dream job? Oh my God, what if it's not the dream job? What if it's not the perfect? Well, what if it's not? <laughs> it's like, yeah. what's the best next step? I think looking for the dream job is probably not a good objective. Maybe it's about, what am I curious about? What do I want to try out next? Mm -hmm. and instead of instead of thinking for six months, you might want to jump on it and, and, and just in, in the month, if you don't like it, leave. And yeah. just try something else, right? So this is a great advice, Christian. Thank you so much for that. Oh. Also, in, in general, there's another, another element about when, when you think about what you'd like to do. Um, how much security do you need in your own life? How much stability do you need in your own life? I have a lot of respect for people like yourself, Stoyan. Starting an own business, uh, working freelance, independent, um, and I have a few people I know very well who are like that, and I have a lot of respect for these people mainly because I'm not like that. I, I, I don't think I would be a good startup person, um, mainly because I 
I, I would feel that I would this 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 level of uncertainty is it going to work? Are people going to buy my stuff? I, you know that this creates uncertainty, and it's again non-judgmental. Um, it's not good or bad. It's just who you are, and that would then also help you determine where to go. Is it a career like Stoyan or more want to be a civil servant, public service, job security? Um, you need a, a new a new place to live every two or three years because then it's boring or you want to build your house in which you will live for the rest of your life. You now, this kind of uh, needs that you may or may not have uh, should also be taken into account. First of all, Christian, thank you so much uh, coming. You know, these words coming from you means means a lot to me. So thank you for, for the kind words. Uh, but uh, I also uh, it's such a great point about the fact that for some people, working as an executive or as a, as a manager or even as a practitioner, you know, it's great. It's amazing. I think we, we kind of uh, put the pendulum a little bit to the side of everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. And that's not true. Uh, like you can be an exceptional uh, freelancer or maybe a great uh, person to work in a company as a designer. Uh, there's no right and wrong. It's about trying out and finding out who you are, where do you feel yeah, comfortable. That's, and actually that's exactly, it's a perfectly non-judgmental it, it it's all everything is fine but you need to know who you are and what your needs are and you need to take that into account so that was the professor thing that was now the entrepreneurial thing what what makes you happy what what will what makes you get out of bed in the morning find it out for yourself and that's very important and then everything else is fine and this is a perfect way to wrap up this discussion, Christian. It's been such a pleasure having you around uh, and sharing all the tone of advice on productivity, on finding your purpose, uh, on leadership. Uh, and just uh, so we can wrap it up properly, are there any kind of final words you would like to share to the audience? And, you know, having in mind now, it's been close to 14 months of uh, this global pandemic people working from home, there's a lot of uncertainty. So what would be your final message, final words to, to, to the people? It, it's depending on your role, but it's one thing that's always important. You need to strike the right balance. So what I was trying to say between um, between purpose and discipline is not it's not contradictory at all. It's actually all about the balance of the two. And different situations will require different ways of balancing that but it is it is leadership in many ways is about uh, bringing things together that may appear contradictory at the beginning and uh, find the right balance between them and uh, and and then and then you can be successful and then you will be successful Thank you so much, Christian. Definitely thank an you. episode I'm going to re-listen to a few more times. <laughs> and thank you, thank you so much for the audience, for you guys for showing up, for making it to the end of the episode. Uh, have an amazing day. Uh, see you again at the next episode of uh, Productivity Mastery. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And it's been a pleasure, Stoyan. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Take care. Thank you guys for listening and if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.